I'm Chad Roberts, and you're listening to Awakened to Grace. Today, I have a special message to share with you out of Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. As most of you know, we are on a new journey through the entire book of Hebrews, and we are just getting started. We are right now just to verse 3, and today we're going to explore the fascinating phrase that Christ is the radiance of the glory of God. We are going to see that what the rays are to the sun, that's what Christ is to God. You and I cannot look directly into the sun. No, we enjoy the sun. We see the sun by means of its rays. So it is with God. We see God. We enjoy God by the means of Christ. That's why the Bible calls him the radiance or the brightness of God's glory. Friends, we're going to dive deep into Scripture today, and I know that it is going to speak into your heart, into your mind, into your life, into your soul, for God's Word is living and active. Well, let's go today, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, the radiance of God's glory. I want to call today Jesus, the radiance of God's glory. Will you pray with me? God, I pray that you are supremely glorified in this place today. That by the reading, by the expounding, by the preaching and the explaining and the applying of your word, that you will be glorified. I pray, God, that we take these, what can feel like difficult texts, these things that you cannot just haphazardly read or you cannot just gloss over. No, it requires hearing ears. For you said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. It requires receptive hearts, for you say, harden not your heart. So Holy Spirit, may you take the words you have written, for indeed you are the author of your word. And may you take the words you have written, and may you write them upon our hearts, and may you change our lives through the power of your word and through the power of your spirit today. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So far, we have covered the first two verses of the book. We saw in week one that Jesus is the language of God. For the scriptures say that in these last days, God has spoken in Son, by His Son, through His Son. God speaks in the language of Jesus. Christ is the final and the decisive word to humanity from God. And the entire book of Hebrews is about will we listen to what God is saying. There are five great warnings throughout the book, and we will study each in detail. But it begins by setting the premise, God is speaking, will we listen? God is speaking, will we listen? Last week, we saw Jesus, the heir 
of all things. We talked about the eternal implications what it means for me, what it means for you, that Christ has been appointed the heir of all things, what it means that Christ created the world, he created the ages, the implications of such statements. We said that in verses 2 and 3, there are seven incredible things about Christ. There are seven glories of Christ to be revealed, to be examined to be studied, to be memorized, to be applied. And today, as we covered last week, only two of them, that Christ has appointed the heir of all things and that he created the world. Today, we're only going to get to three more, completing five. Today, we will see how Christ is the radiance of God's glory. You know, my Favorite verses of the Bible change all the time because <laughs> it depends on what I'm digging into. And then I'll, I'll go, oh, that's my favorite. And then I learn something. That, oh, that's my. It, <laughs> well, just so happened right now, this is my absolute favorite. Christ is the radiance of the glory of God. What does that mean? We're going to dig around the soil of the word of God today. Is that all right with you? As R.A. Torrey said in the 1800s, we're not going to rake for leaves. We're going to dig for gold. Amen. And there is gold to be had in these scriptures. Treasures. Treasures to be found about the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to see today how Christ is the radiance of the glory of God. We're going to see second how he is the exact imprint of the nature of God. What outstanding truths there are about Christ here. And lastly, today, we will see how he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Next week, to conclude verse 3, we'll see how he made final purification for sins and how after he did that, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Oh, what treasure there is to be found. If you're going to take notes, I want you to write this down first today. A.W. Tozer, a powerful man of God from back in the 1950s, observed, and it has given me great pause when I think about what he said. He wrote in the book, Knowledge of the Holy, the opening line of that book is, the most important thing about you is what comes to mind when you think about God. The most important thing about you is not your 401k today. It is not your financial outlook. The most important thing about you is not your success in life. It is not your health today. The most important thing about you is what first comes to your mind when you think about God. I want you to note this. If you and I are going to worship God rightly, then we must think rightly about God. We cannot worship God aright if we do not think and feel rightly 
about God. And what these three phrases, only three phrases that we're going to look at today, we're going to closely examine them. Today, if I had rare jewels in my hands, if I had rubies and I had diamonds and I had sapphires, oh, I would unfold them and I would not haphazardly throw them around. No, I would carefully unpack them. I would carefully unfold them and I would show you such treasure. That's my aim today. With the fact, with the beauty, with the treasure that Christ is the radiance of the glory of God. What a ruby. That Christ is the exact imprint of the nature of God. Oh, what a sapphire. That Christ upholds the universe simply by the word of his power. Oh, what a diamond. What you think about God is the most important thing about you. Our foundation today, our premise today, is these scriptures will shape our view. They will mold They will shape our perception. It will give us a right perspective of Christ. Too much emphasis. It's wonderful to look at Christ in his humanity. But so often in our English, in our Western thinking, we see Christ only in his humanity. No, no, no. We must see him in his deity. That's what we're going to see today. Number one, Christ is the radiance. What does this mean? What did the author imply here? Well, the old King James says the brightness. I love that word brightness. I love the word radiance. The picture is as the rays come from the sun, Christ has come from God. Just like you cannot separate the rays from the sun, you cannot separate Christ from God. Just like the rays that radiate out of the sun is in fact the sun, so Christ is in fact God. Remember the point of verses 1 to 3 is that Christ is better than all the prophets These people are coming out of Judaism. They're coming out of the Old Covenant, out of the Old Testament, where the prophets were so revered. And verse 1 says, yes, God did speak through the prophets, but it was fragmented in what he said. He spoke long ago in many times, in many ways, but in these last days, how does God speak? Complete, full revelation. He speaks through his son. And why is Christ the final and the decisive word of God? Because friends, he is God. What the rays are to the sun, so Christ is to God. He was not a created being. Christ is not a greater or a superior angel. Christ was never created. Christ is the creator. And you cannot separate Christ from the Father like you cannot separate the rays of the sun from the sun. That's the analogy. That's the thinking. Scientists tell us our sun is 93 million miles from the earth. Can you wrap your head around that? 
And do you know how fast rays of light travel? The sun is always radiating heat and energy. And do you know how fast the rays of light reach us? 8.3 minutes. Light travels 8.3 minutes over 93 million miles. And what's the point? The point, if it weren't for the rays of the sun, we could not see the sun. You and I would not know God were it not for Jesus Christ. God is the source. Christ is the channel. He's the mediator. If you and I go out to the sun, well, not me, you. If, we, if you go out to the sun and look straight at it, it will blind you. It don't bother me. I'm a blind man. I go out. It don't matter how bright it is. People will say, Chad, can you see the, can you see the brightness? No. I can feel the heat, but I can't see the brightness. The sun will blind you. God would blind you. We must have a mediator. We must have a way to see the sun. And the way we see and enjoy the sun are its rays. The way we see and enjoy God is Christ Jesus the Lord. But they're one and the same. It's not another form. It is the same. He is the radiance. He is the rays. He is the brightness of God himself. What does the scripture say? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. Scripture says that when it comes to creation, the whole universe was darkened. And what did God say? God said, let there be what? Light. Let there be light. And what happened? The sun was formed. <laughs> The creator, amen. And verse 6 says that God, when it comes to our darkened hearts, when it comes to our darkened mind, when it says, Scripture says, man would choose darkness over light. And God who took us who were sinners, us who were rebellious. And the Bible says that God has shown in our hearts. God has spoken to our hearts. Let there be light, amen. And he awakened us by his grace. And he awakened us to his glory. And what does the scripture say? 2 Corinthians 4, 6. He has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. How? In the face of Jesus. It is through the face of Jesus that we see, that we know, that we feel, that we experience the glory of God. Why? Because what the rays are to the sun, that's what Christ is to God. He is the radiance. He is the brightness of the glory of God. Can we thank God for that today? Hallelujah. He is the radiance. You and I see and we enjoy the sun only by the means of the rays of light. You and I see and we enjoy God only by the means of the radiance, of the brightness of his son, Jesus Christ. What is he the radiance of? Notice the glory of God. Christ is the brightness, the ray, the radiance of the glory of God. 
I want you to note John 17, verse 5. John 17, 5 says that Christ had the glory of the Father. Christ had the glory of God, not after creation. See, this is so important. There are cults. There are wrong doctrines. There are wrong teachings that teach that God created Christ. No. If you are going to worship God aright, we must think aright. We must worship biblically. We must think biblically. John 17, 5 says that Christ had the glory of God before the world existed. Why? Because he's the creator of the world. He had no beginning. He has always been. He is the brightness, the radiance of the what? Of the glory of God. Christ had this glory before the world ever existed. And what is the beauty of the gospel? Philippians chapter 2, it says that Christ... Though he was in the form of God, though he had the nature of God, he was in the form of God, did not think equality a thing to be grasped, a thing to be held on to, a thing to be taken hold of. No, but what does it say? Did he empty himself? Taking on the form of a what? Of a man, of a human, of a servant. Do you know what this is saying, church? John chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was what? Was what? God. And the Word became what? Flesh and dwelt among us. Do you know what this means? Christ hid the glory of God in a robe of flesh. And what is the beauty of the gospel? is that robe of flesh was torn, torn with a crown of thorns, torn with a whip, with rock, and sharp objects that ripped the flesh off the back, the sides, the chest of Christ, torn to where they drove nails into his hands and nails into his feet, torn as they thrust a spear into his side that the flesh, that the body of Christ who concealed the glory of God suffered for my sin and for your sin. Wow. But now, what is the beauty of the gospel? Now he is the brightness. Now he is the radiance. Now we can see and we can feel the warmth of the glory of God in our lives that now what was concealed is now revealed. What was invisible is now visible. Now we can know the glory of God. For as John 17 says, as God glorified the Son, the Son now glorifies us. Hallelujah. And we can now share in the glory of God. But how does it come about? One way. Only through the radiance 
only through the brightness, only through the rays of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the radiance of God's glory. Number two, he is the exact imprint of his nature. What does this mean? In Greek, in the original, the phrase exact imprint has the idea of a seal. It has the idea of an exact engraving. I'm going to give you a few scriptures, and I want you to note them if if you want to go back and, and really study these. John chapter 8, verse 42. Now here's the thinking. You and I cannot see God the Father. No one can see him. No one can live in the flesh and see him. You and I do not worship objects. We worship God who is a spirit. Many years ago, I went to Vietnam to smuggle Bibles into communist Vietnam. A friend and I went and we prayed the smuggler's prayer coined so many years ago by the great Brother Andrew who has now gone on to be with the Lord. And the smuggler's prayer says, God, you are able to make blind eyes open. Now may you make open eyes blind. And we packed our suitcases full of Bibles, brought them into communist Vietnam, ran through the scanners, go through the checkpoints, and not one Bible taken, not one Bible confiscated. Amen? And we were able to deliver them to the churches. While I was there, they took me to a temple on the Cambodian-Vietnam border called the Khao Dai Temple. There was this massive image. I don't know how tall. I mean, just, oh, I don't even know. Probably 50 feet tall. And hundreds upon hundreds were bowing down, worshiping this idol, worshiping this object. No, 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 my friend. You and I worship God who is a spirit. We do not worship an object. We do not worship wooden objects made by hands. Every shop I would go into in Vietnam, they would have little wooden Buddhas. And they would have incense burning and they'd have fresh fruit. And I would think about what David wrote in the Psalms. Having eyes they cannot see. Having ears they cannot hear. Having minds they cannot think. No, we do not worship objects. We worship God Almighty who is a spirit. Jesus said in John 8, 42, he said, if you loved God, then you would love me, for I am sent by the Father. Jesus said in John 10, verse 30, I and the Father are what? One. What did we say? As you cannot separate the rays from from the sun, you cannot separate Christ from God. John 10, 30, I and the Father are one. John chapter 14, verse 9, Jesus said, If you have seen me, you have seen what? The Father. Why does he say that? Because Hebrews 1, 3, he is the exact imprint of the nature of God. He is the exact seal. 
He is the exact impression. In our English culture today, we would call it carbon copy. He is the exact, the carbon copy. It's where we get our English word character. Christ is the character of God. I want you to note this, Colossians 1 verse 15. Paul writes, oh, this is so masterful. Christ is the image of the invisible God. (laughs) See, when the scriptures say that he is the exact imprint, Christ is the image of the invisible God. What's that mean? That now 2 Corinthians 4, 6, now we can see the glory of God. Now we can know the glory of God. How? Through the face of Jesus. Why? Because he's the exact imprint. Because he is the image of the invisible God. Isn't that it is just remarkable to you? One more verse for you. 1 Timothy 6, verses 15 and 16. Oh, don't miss this one. 1 Timothy 6, verses 15 and 16. Please get this. God alone is sovereign. Oh, that's enough to preach on right there. You ever been to a steak buffet? Oh, it's a steak buffet right there. Sometimes when I go to a steak buffet, I'll just walk up. You know, you know how the, they just give you one, and I'll, I'll say, why don't we save me and you both some time? Why don't you put a few on there? Let me give you a few. We'll save both of us some time here. John 8, 42. John 10, 30. Oh, I forgot John 1, 18. Note that, please. Christ is sent from God. No one can see God. John 1, 18. No one can see the Father, but the Father has sent Christ. Why? Because Christ is what the rays are to the Son. That's what Christ is to the Father. John 1, 18. Colossians 1, 15. And now lastly, note this. 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16. What does it say? You alone are sovereign. He is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Verse 16, you alone have immortality. You dwell in unapproachable light. What did we say? As the sun would blind you, so God would blind you. We must have a mediator to see God, and it is Jesus Christ. He dwells. In unapproachable light. Oh, let me tell you, my friends, this is why it ought to shape our thinking. It's why it ought to correct our thinking. Don't become so familiar with God that you no longer fear him. If some of us had the right view of God, that he dwells in unapproachable light, we would stop taking his name in vain. If we saw him as the unapproachable like God, we would, instead of getting angry and saying, oh, Jesus Christ, oh, we would never, ever say such a thing. It would change the way we think, and it would change the way we act. It would change the way we respond. It would change the way we pray. It would change the way we worship. It would change our reverence for God if we saw him the way God wants us to see him. 
He alone has immortality. He alone dwells in unapproachable light. Why? For he is the source. And now look what it says. For no one has seen him and no one can see him. That's why the mystery of the gospel is that Christ who is the brightness and the radiance of the glory of God, would robe himself in flesh and come and dwell among us and suffer. And what did we say in week one? Why was he appointed heir? Because he was appointed to suffer. For what purpose? Because he was appointed to glory. What glory? The glory he had before the world was ever created, John 17, 5. And now he brings us in to such glory. Now, what have we seen? He is the radiance of the glory of God. We understand what radiance is. We understand what he means by the glory of God. He is the exact seal, the exact Expression, the exact imprint, the carbon copy of the nature. Uh, in other words, the essence, the being of God. What did we say last week or first week? Elohim. There's only one substance in the universe that is God. It is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three, yet one. One, yet three. There's only one in the entirety of all of existence, and it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's the nature of God, the essence of God, the being of God, and Christ is the exact image. He is the image of the invisible. Lastly today, he upholds the universe, by the word of his power. I love the pattern that the Holy Spirit does here. I want you to note this. He starts by telling us, he tells us who Christ is. Who is he? He's appointed heir of all things. Then he tells us what he's done. What has he done? He created the ages created the world. Then the Holy Spirit again tells us who he is. Who is he? He's the radiance of the glory of God. He's the exact imprint of his nature. Now the Holy Spirit again is going to tell us what he does. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. He has made purification for sins. He has sat down at the majesty on high. Oh, see the flow? You see the pattern there? Now he upholds the universe, by the word of his power. Let's understand what this means and we'll begin to close today. The word upholding here in the Greek means to support. It means to carry. Uphold means to support. It means to carry. I want you to think about this for a moment. It, it, it does not just mean that Christ created the world as though it was one act. Now say amen if you're with me right now. Oh, I don't, I, I, no, I said steak buffet, and now you're thinking about lunch. No, say amen if you're with me. Because the Lord's going to speak to us right now, amen? He upholds, not just that he did a one-time creation 
of a work. No, what if, what, why are these phrases separated? Why does it not link it together, phrase, phrase? You know why I believe? <laughs> because the Holy Spirit is showing us, yes, Christ created the world, but what's he doing right now in real time, this very moment? He's holding everything together by the word of his power. Friends, Christ is the creator, but he's also the sustainer, amen. And you know what that means? That means God can create miracles right now in your life. That means God can sustain you right now by his grace. That means that God is involved in your life. God sees what you're facing. God sees what you're going through. Oh, my friends, they tell me my retina is dead. They tell me it's completely torn. They tell me I will never see again. But let me tell you, God is the creator. Hallelujah. And he's not only the creator, he is the sustainer. He upholds all things by the word of his power. Right now, you and I exist because we're upheld by Jesus. Everything you see, everything you touch, everything you smell, everything you taste, everything you hear is upheld by the word of his power. And you know what that means by the word of his power? It means it is effortlessly by Jesus Christ. (laughs) Oh, don't think he's tired. Don't think he's exhausted. Don't think he's run out of miracles. Hallelujah. Don't think he's short on power. No, it's simply by the word of his power. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, do you see how these scriptures help us think right? Do you see how it helps us pray right? Do you see how it helps us feel right about God? And so when Satan comes and says, oh, God won't help you and God won't deliver you and God can't rescue you and God can't work this out and God has no ability and God had no, you take Satan right to Hebrews 1.3 and say, no, I am upheld by the word of his power. Amen. I tell you, don't you dare let Satan slap you around. Don't you let Satan push you over. Don't you let Satan discourage you. You take him straight to the word of God and you wear him out with the word. Amen. Christ is the radiance of what? Of God's glory. He's the exact imprint of what? The nature of God. And what does he do? That's who he is. But what does he do? He supports, he carries, he upholds not just your world and not just your life and not just your concerns and not just your burdens, the entire universe. And, you, <laughs> and you're telling me that God can't handle your life? You're telling me God can't manage your life better than you can manage it? Oh, come on now. Say amen if you're with me right now. You're telling me that God can't do a better job than you can do? He upholds the universe. How? Effortlessly. I close with this. We see it even in his earthly life. 
And if we see it in his earthly life, how much more now that he is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. What do we see? We see everything in the universe obeying him. The winds and the waves obeyed him. Sickness and disease obeyed him. Demons obeyed him. Death obeyed him. Everything in this universe is willed by the word of Jesus Christ. And you can't trust him? Oh, no. We ought to worship Jesus today. We ought to trust Jesus today. Why? Because he's the radiance of God's glory. He's the exact imprint of his nature. He sustains the universe by the word of his power. To get all of our resources and content, visit my website, awakenedtograce.com, or download our free mobile app, Awaken to Grace, wherever you get your favorite app.